1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to Quit Your Day Job. I am Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. Am I wearing sweatpants while I record this? You will never know. This podcast is all about dream jobs, the ones you wished you had when you were a kid and the ones you pin up on your vision board. I decided to chase after my dream jobs in 2020 by taking unpaid internships at four of them. I quit my job as CEO of a philanthropy consulting business to try my hand working on Broadway, in fitness, as an art dealer, and at a hotel. And then I wrote a book about my experience, which will be out in 2023. I am psyched to share my story with you, but in the meantime, I'm bringing you a few others, real people who work really cool jobs. So before you quit your day job to go be a painter or an actress or a life coach, listen in and see what it's really like behind the scenes. All right. Welcome to Quit Your Day Job. And we have a very special treat for you today because Zibby Owens does not have just one job. She has many. She is an author with not one but two books coming out this year, at least maybe more, who knows, she'll tell us. (laughs) She's a podcaster, host of the award-winning literary podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books, which she launched in 2018. And the guest list is literally a who's who of authors. She's an influencer. She shares her recommendations about what you should be reading on Good Morning America and Katie Couric Media. And she's a publisher, my publisher. As CEO of Zibby Owens Media, she runs Zibby Books, which is a new home for fiction and memoir, which she co-founded with Lee Newman. So Zibby, welcome to the show. It is
2: my great pleasure to be here, Alicia. Thanks for having me.
1: So uh, I like to do a little bit of a lightning round to freak out my guests with important questions that they may not know the answers to, but to just get us to learn a little bit more about you. So I would love you to just say the first thing that comes to your head. I've got five very easy softball questions for you. And number one is what is your favorite podcast to listen to? Obviously mine, but it's not out yet. So you can choose another one.
2: My favorite podcast to listen to is probably Terrible Thanks for Asking by Nora McInerney because I adore her and she was on my show and it's intimate conversations, real heartache and just the raw good stuff. That's awesome. Do you cry when you listen to it? If I start feeling like I want to cry, I might actually pause it, (laughs)
1: depending (laughs) on what else I'm doing. (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. Question two, New York or LA? New York or LA? My answer is both. Mm, That's right. Why choose? (laughs) You're a native New Yorker, but I know from your Instagram that you do love being at West as well.
2: I do love LA. I would move there in a heartbeat, but I don't know. Maybe if I did that, I would really miss it. I did live there for a couple of years after college. And after a while, I was like, okay, I'm ready for vacation to end when I want to go back to slugging it out on the East Coast with <laughs> all the bad seasons. So I can appreciate all these, all this wonderful weather. So yeah, I think they that say con- that
1: New Yorkers, New Yorkers always go back. And I, every New Yorker I know has ended up back in New York, I would say.
2: I kind of feel like I would have ended up wherever I grew up though. Yeah. Like if I had grown up in some small town in the middle of nowhere, I feel like I'd probably still be there. Interesting. But maybe not. Who knows?
1: Okay. Important mom question. Heels or flats? Ugh, sneakers. <laughs> oh, the best. The invention of designer sneakers has been one of the greatest things that has ever happened to me because they're very cute and you feel dressed up when you're wearing them and you're still wearing sneakers, which is like the best part. Yeah.
2: I've only, I think I've put on heels twice since the pandemic started
1: and yeah, no thanks. I tried on a pair while shopping today and I like, I was like a weird flamingo walking around the store. I was like, I don't even know. To walk in these things I anymore, know. I'm like, why did we do? Why do we do
2: this to ourselves? Exactly, of exactly.
1: all the things. Yeah. yeah. What's your favorite weekend activity to do with your kids around the city?
2: Sometimes we go to this place called the Color Factory, which is this sensory sort of overload experience where you go through all these different rooms and you do things like put your whole body on this spinny, rainbow spinny thing as if you're like on a game show wheel. And then you go into another room where you like keep balloons in the air. And it's this very fun, immersive activity that they love. And I totally love it too. <laughs> so we're, that's how we're celebrating Valentine's Day actually. So.
1: Oh, how romantic. That sounds awesome. Actually, I need <laughs> to put that on my New York list to take my kids to. And then finally, native New Yorker question, bagels or pizza?
2: That is tough. I kind of want to say both. I probably eat more pizza than I do bagels.
1: So good. I don't both know why. Both delicious. A carb both best. Delicious. You yes. could have pizza on a bagel and then you could really win everything at life. If I think that.
2: if someone said they were going to forever take away one of those two foods from my life, I would be more sad to lose pizza.
1: I love pizza. I love pizza. My husband does not like pizza, so we don't eat it that often and it's mm. really, it's like the thing I go to as soon as I'm alone, scarf as much pizza as possible. <laughs>
2: And I'm alone. I go straight for the sweets. I'm like, don't look at me. Go away.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, thank you for indulging my lightning round. So this podcast is about jobs and I don't even know which of your many jobs to start with. So I think I'm going to let you pick. Why don't you start by telling me a little bit about what you do?
2: Well, it might seem like I have all these different jobs, but to me it, it makes sense as sort of one combined entity, which is Using books as a means to connect with people and hopefully improve their lives in some way by making them feel less alone. And so everything falls under that umbrella in some way, shape, or form, whether it's the new publishing company in which I get to be involved with books at the very earliest stage, like you, (laughs) or if it's moms don't have time to write, which I oversee, and that's essays that are original content and really interesting, but it's still getting people in another form. And then podcasting is just another medium uh, to digest the material. So all of the things are just other means to the same end. So I view it as one
1: all-encompassing job yeah, it's like an ecosystem, isn't it? And there's different pieces to it, but you are definitely doing a lot of them. Now, I had the great pleasure to read an early draft of your memoir, which is coming out later this year. So I know that you have worked a lot of jobs before landing where you've landed. Tell us a little bit about your career path. How did you get to where you are?
2: It has been a long and windy road, <laughs> and I started out wanting to be a writer. I wanted to be a writer from Day one, basically, when I started writing as soon as you could write. In fact, last night I have started, I found a bunch of my old diaries and I'm reading the ones from when I was younger to my little kids. Oh my God. It's like so hilarious. I mean, honestly, some of the stuff, like I'm sitting here with like this back injury and in the book I'm like, my lower back hurts so much. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was 14. So anyway, and I still wrote then the way I do now. I'm like, here's what I had for dinner. And here's what my mom had. And here's what my brother had. <laughs> so, like, <I> love it. <laughs> anyway, it like completely cracked me up. But my kids were like, wait, how did you know how to spell all those words when you're only 14? So I always wanted to be a writer, but there's no good path to like just sitting down and being a writer. And I hadn't had enough life to live really. So I thought I would be a writer when I went to college. And then I tried a bunch of different jobs. Before college, I, all my jobs were kid-related because I love kids. I was a babysitter. I was a mother's helper. I was a camp counselor. I worked at a, in the new baby unit at Mount Sinai Medical Aww. Center and like held babies right after they were born and stocked their little cribs and all that stuff. And then during college, I tried a bunch of different things. So I worked my first summer at Vanity Fair. Because I thought, okay, I want to be a writer. I should work in the magazine world. And I remember just standing in front of racks of magazines with my dad one day and being like, gosh, what would like my dream magazine be to work at? What, you know, at, before I used to read Sassy and Seventeen and yeah. YM and all those teeny bopper. But Oh, God, YM. Uh, right? Oh, my gosh. That was such a I good magazine. Obsessed. Such a good magazine. I actually love magazines. I shouldn't say actually. <laughs> this is like what Kyle, my husband, says when I'm like, actually, you look great. He's like, would have been better without the actually. <laughs> but anyway, Vanity Fair was great. And I did a rotational program where I learned about all the different things, but I realized there was no clear path from being on the editorial side or the business side to being one of the writers whose contracts I was in charge of shoving into files. Right. So I realized that, no, that's like not really what I wanted to do. And then I was getting really into my psychology major at school. I wanted to take every psychology class under the sun. And I thought, okay, well, maybe I'll be a clinical psychologist because... I love talking to people and I love helping people and hearing their stories and and all that stuff. So then I worked at the Adolescent Inpatient Unit in White Plains, and that was tough. That was a really hard summer, and I realized I wasn't able to make as much of a difference, in fact, probably no difference, by working in that type of system. It was almost more like a holding pen for kids in and out of juvie, kids who had horrific, really debilitating conditions, and it was more a place to manage the illness yeah. than to help. So I decided I didn't want to work in a hospital setting at all or any sort of clinic setting like that so that I would maybe I would pursue something else. The next summer, I decided to try... I got interested also in psychology of branding and brands and how you relate to... How individuals relate to brands. I found that also super fascinating. So I worked at Ogilvy and Mather, an ad agency in the strategic planning, brand planning department, which was great and super fun and fast paced. And I like always having lots of different things going on instead of like sitting and focusing only on one thing, if you can't tell. So, Same. Yeah. <laughs> so that was better. And I thought that I would go straight to clinical psychology. I'll try to speed this up. I'm rambling clinical psychology program, but I ended up dating this guy who was moving to LA and I was sure we were going to get married. And if I wanted to stay with him, the plan was we would go to LA for a couple of years and then I would move back to the East coast when he went to business school. And then eventually we'd settle where we settled and I could get my PhD then. Right. Right. I ended up moving to L.A. with him. I worked at a brand development and design firm. Then I worked at Idealab, which is this big internet incubator, all in marketing, working with brands, helping with design and branding and all of that, and helping watch all these companies start up, which is fascinating. I love starting things, which you also probably can tell, <laughs> but I, I love like coming up with the ideas. and I wasn't coming up with the ideas for Idealab, but I was watching as they rolled out, which was fascinating. Broke up with the boyfriend, moved back to the East Coast. Helped launch the Vera Wang fragrance for Unilever. And then I went to business school. And at business school, oh, ironically, I went to business school and I was in the same class as my ex-boyfriend. So instead of being there as a partner, (laughs) I was a classmate, which... I just thought was pretty awesome. At business school, I remember taking this career development class and doing all sorts of personality tests. And I was like, okay, I understand myself really well, but there are literally no jobs that <laughs> yeah, incorporate I I everything am. I want to do. What am right? I was supposed to do? Yeah. I'm like, I get it, but no, there are no, nothing fits. I decided to spend that summer at another ad agency thinking that was my closest to what I wanted to do. But I also lost my best friend on 9-11, which had happened two weeks before I got to business school. And I spent a lot of time writing about that, processing that. It was a really traumatic, awful event for everybody in the world. But I just losing someone so close to me shattered me. And I thought, well, you know what? If I'm going to die at my desk the way she died at her desk, mm-hmm. I believe. She could have been anywhere, I guess, in the towers. But that's our theory. Then I have to be doing something that brings my whole self to work. I can't just pepper market Pepperidge Farm cookies anymore, yeah. as much as that's fun. So I decided to write. And I wrote full-time. I wrote a book. It ended up not selling. I ghost wrote a book that did sell. I wrote for magazines. Then I went on this tangent and worked for Weight Watchers when I was trying to lose weight. And I got really into that. And next thing you know, I was leading meetings all over the city. I helped start up this gaggle of chicks daily deal site for moms once I had my kids. But mostly I was at home until I got divorced with four kids and I had some time free. And I was like, okay, back to remembering who I used to be. So I started writing, started reading a lot more. Next thing you know, I started this podcast and things have just evolved from there.
1: The story is amazing, though, and one of the things that fascinates me the most about hearing people tell their career journey is that when you're making these decisions, like, okay, you're moving to L.A. to be with a guy, or you're taking a job in branding, or you're doing this, you're going to business school, you're doing that, they're often, the decisions are made, like, spur of the moment, you're influenced by loads of different things that might be happening around you, but if you were to look back on that, you could take the skills or the expertise that you developed in any single one of those jobs, and they would be relevant to what you're doing now. Even Weight Watchers probably helped you understand women and what they want to buy and their psyches, you know, better than almost anything else. Those are extremely personal communities, right? And so even though that may not have been what you predicted, you ended up in the place you always were supposed to be.
2: Yeah, but it did not make sense until now. Like, along the way, I was always very apologetic for my career. I felt like such a waste. Like, I could never really decide what to do, right? None of it, it it didn't make, it didn't, there wasn't like a common thread to any of it until I started this whole enterprise where I literally, like you said, I'm using every skill from every part, even my very first job or my first assignment out of college after I'd gone through this like intense academic program at Yale and like giving myself an ulcer, studying so hard. And I'll, next thing you know, I'm in a motel, a, a motor in, in Studio City. And my first assignment was like, can you call a bunch of printers and figuring, figure out, like, bid this project out? And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I am literally using all those things. I was just with Anne Masetti, our consulting publisher, as she was talking about paper that we're going to pick for what our books are going to look like, including yours. And we were holding up the stock. And she's like, well, 50 pound stock means this. And, you know, and I was like, no, no, I know that. I, like, I, this, I, I already knew I, this already. I know. I knew that <laughs> from that one printing assignment in 1998. I learned all about paper stock and all of that printing thing. So you just don't know where it's all gonna end up. And it very easily, by the way, could could have ended up nowhere. It could have just stayed this disparate mix of whatever. But I don't know. I got lucky and. It, it,
1: it ended up making sense because well, I guaranteed nobody would have cared before. You got lucky, but you followed your passion, which you know you you followed the things that you really wanted to do. And you can see when you talk about when you talk to authors on your podcast, when you're talking to us as the Zippy Books authors team, is that you you really love what you're doing, which I think is so important and kind of overlooked when people are looking for jobs because especially women, especially as we get older, it almost feels like that's not something we're still supposed to be looking for. That we're supposed to be focused on other things, right? So I love that you have that and that that's kind of at the core of what you do.
2: I should say, you know, I'm very privileged in that I had the choice to invest the time to start up a business and wait the couple of years it took to actually make money from it. So I am very aware of that. I feel very lucky. But to start up any business, it's usually at a loss in the beginning. So you have to be prepared for that. So I wasn't sure I would ever make money, but I was like, I don't even care. If someone told me I'm not going to make money, then this will just be my hobby
1: all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I want to talk to you about burnout because you wrote this really beautiful essay, at the sort of end of 2021, beginning of 2022, about doing too much in the year. Can you tell us a little bit about what you wrote about and kind of where your head is at with that right now?
2: Yes, I did write about that. And I keep trying to remind myself of all all of my takeaways. (laughs) because I'm like ignoring it again. Yes. By the end of last year, I had done 449 podcasts. I had launched all these businesses, particularly the time from September when we launched Zippy Books to December break. I was barely sleeping. I was barely doing anything other than starting up the business and maintaining all my other businesses and, and all of that. And, or being with my kids Like I didn't see friends and my husband. I didn't see friends. I didn't like do anything else out of the ordinary. Like I saw some friends, I guess. Well, anyway, mostly I had a very, very narrow focus and I stopped taking care of myself completely. I I just stopped working out full stop, except for maybe like 30 minutes on the elliptical. I didn't go to a doctor for so long that my friends on one birthday dinner I went to with my oldest friends from college, I mentioned that I hadn't seen a doctor in two years or a dentist or any, any, anything. (laughs) And they were like, you have to go. Like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm fine. I feel fine. I don't have time to go. And I'm really somebody who's always telling people to go to the doctor. I was like, but I'm fine. You know? So eventually I went to the doctor and then I found out my cholesterol had gone way up and I needed to lose weight, which of course I knew, but it's always nice to have a doctor tell you that. And just all these things that I had, been ignoring all my joint pain, all the, like all this stuff. And it caught up with me. And I realized that here I was posting on Instagram all the time. Like I did this, I did that. And I was like, I'm not trying to tell people that they should be doing this. This is I'm not recommending this intensity. This Were is you? not actually good for me. I would like to scale it back. So now I'm working hard to not get so completely wiped out. I mean, by the end of December, I was just like crying all day, every day. And I just like could barely cross the finish line.
1: It's such a challenge. And I remember one year, my New Year's resolution, before I embarked on my internship life, Yes, my New Year's resolution was to stop telling people how busy I was because I could hear myself doing that all the time. And people would be like, how are you? And I'd be like, oh my God, I'm so busy. I have so many things going on. And that was, I just, I hated everything. I hated everything about that. And I don't know, I think a lot of people in the pandemic, amidst all the awful things that have happened with it, slowed down in, in a way, well, by force, really, in a way that they then had to kind of come and realize, okay, maybe I was doing too much before. But it does sort of feel like now, I think a lot of people are in your position that they made all these resolutions, like, oh, when, you know, we get back out there and life goes back to air quotes normal, I'm going to take all these learnings from all of this time we had inside and I'm going to be different. And I think, I think change is very, very hard. So, but continuing to remind ourselves about it is important, I guess.
2: Yes. I mean, I do it also as like a psychological tool, right? I do it to escape. I do it for a lot of reasons. It's not just my work ethic. Like a lot goes into it and I have to deal with all that stuff, you know? It doesn't take away the uncertainty. Like my anxiety is overwhelming. So I like to throw myself into things so I don't think about the things that are not so pleasant to think about like the pandemic or loss or all this stuff. So, you know, but you have to be careful not to abuse your work like it's all about regulation. So I'm really trying.
1: You're really, really good at putting yourself out there. And, you know, the tagline of Zibi Books is telling it like it is. And I think the push for authenticity is not just a corporate branding line. It's really, you know, we walk the walk. And I think in all of your own writing, you speak very, very openly about your insecurities. You talk about things that you've gone through that have been really difficult for you. You Did you always did you always feel comfortable kind of putting yourself out there like that, even before you really moved into writing and kind of books as your sort of full-time world?
2: Always. I've been doing this forever. My first article that I sold to 17 when I was 14 was about how I had gained 20 pounds when my parents got divorced and how how I felt that changed the way people looked at me, how terrible I felt about myself. Like It was all about that and, it, and an examination of whether extra weight should affect self-worth and all that. And I was totally open and honest, much to the shock of my classmates when they read it. Wow. Yeah. I've always done it. I wrote for the school paper in college. I wrote really openly the whole time at business school about loss and everything. And that was another place where people were like, what are you doing? You know, like, and, and people are like, you're so brave. And I'm like, I'm not brave. I just, if I'm feeling it, somebody else is feeling it. And I don't know why I feel this compulsion to always share. And I don't feel like I do it in a you know i'm not trying to share these like very intimate inappropriate things but i i try to hand pick the things that i'm feeling that i know somebody out there is going to relate to even if it's as simple as a recent post of mine where I, I had to get glasses and my back went out, and I'm just feeling really old all of a sudden. Like everything is caught up with me. Like I my gray hair grows in faster than I can deal with it. And like all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I'm 45, but actually I'm old now and have to deal with all <laughs> these new things, and I'm really not happy about it. But anyway, I wrote about it very short on Instagram and kind of in like a humorous way. And and so many women were like, Are you in my brain? You know, so I'm I'm okay saying that stuff. Am I saying like private stuff about my kids and all this stuff? No, I don't even go there. But yeah. the things that I feel like people need to hear from somebody, I I write about. So I've always been that way. I'm very happy it's on
1: trend now. It's very lucky. Very, very <laughs> on trend. As are the glasses that you bought. They were super cute. Oh thank um, you. Thank I like them a lot. But yeah, when I took my first memoir class, I remember sitting there. I had not write I hadn't written anything and I just like took this intensive class because I had this idea and I wanted to you know, maybe turn it into a book and the I just kept thinking, gosh, it feels really self-indulgent to write about yourself all the time. And I mentioned this to the teacher and she said, no, no, no. When you write really authentically about yourself, you are creating space for other people to see themselves in you and you are opening up their conception of themselves and their world. And so it's actually one of the most selfless things you could do. And at the time I was kind of like, eh is it really like spending all this time <laughs> writing all myself but i totally get it and last night i joined the moms don't have time to write online writing group they read an essay that i had published on moms don't have time to write and it was an essay about going uh, cave hiking and doing stuff i was really afraid of and I was just so amazed by sharing this like really esoteric experience, how unbelievably relatable it was. And all the women in the group were like, oh my God, I just, you know, that was really brave and I really want to do this thing and I want to go buy a bikini, but I've been too scared and now I think I need to go too. I want to move house. And it was just this like, like a soul affirming just experience of a community, really a community. And it was just beautiful and I loved it. So I'm just- Oh, really, I'm so glad. I'm glad to do that That's too. That's amazing. I'm so glad that group has has sprung out of this all. It was beautiful. So I want to talk about publishing your newest venture. How are you finding it? What's surprising you? What are you loving? What are you loving less? How's it all going?
2: It's going. It's a <laughs> lot. I mean, my attitude has been the last couple of years, like any opportunity, I'm just saying yes. And how am I going to do this? I don't know. I'm going to figure it out. And it's been great, but there are definitely challenges. It's a much bigger job than I thought. I really wish I had more time to devote to it. On the other hand, Well, I just don't, so I'm doing what I can. The thing I find most frustrating, I think, is that I'm spending so much time reading books that we ultimately aren't bidding on, but I still have to invest the time. So I'm trying to figure out how to make that more efficient. And I know we have people, sort of, you know, a a, a really amazing team, but it's a tiny team, vetting things, but I I need to look. Like, what if? So I'm trying not to beat myself up and think it's a waste of time, because it's not. It's an important use of time. And I have to remind myself, like, it's okay. Even if we don't buy this book, someone's going to buy this book. And when it comes out, I'm going to interview that author, and that's it'll right. be great. And I'll be like, I read it way back in the day, and I loved it, but it just wasn't a fit for us. So so that's like a time management issue I'm running up against. Plus, I have to read all the books for the podcast. So I, last night at, like, 10 o'clock, I was like, do I read the book for the podcast in the morning? Or do I read this thing that we need to decide on by Wednesday? I don't know. So, <laughs> So I did both. I did both. But honestly, the most exciting thing is, is the authors like you and meeting the authors. And you know, I'm just so excited. I'm so thrilled that like, I'll have a hand at getting your book on the shelf. I feel so honored by everybody who is letting us do this. And I love being able to do it my own way and come up with all these ideas and try things and be like, why not? you know, so I love the experimentation and the collaboration. I love our team. Yeah. So on the whole, except for some nights when I'm really tired and I'm like, I never should have started this <laughs> aside from those nights. I feel really good about it. Oh, my God. husband is so sweet. He's like, you know, this is going to be like your lasting legacy. It's going to be Zippy Books And one day. Like we'll watch a show about this big corporate office. And he's like, that's going to be Zippy Books someday. And I'm like looking around my office here alone. And I'm like, really? I don't know. <laughs> Do I even want that? But I love
1: it. He's such really a good cheerleader. I love him. He's just so encouraging. I feel like in your book and in everything you say about him, he's just like always kind of spurring you on, which is pretty awesome. Yes. Yes. I'm very lucky. I think a lot of people are afraid of rejection. A lot of people write something and they never send to people. They think about a podcast they want to do and they never do it because they're worried about rejection. And you've been on both sides of that rejection letter now. What would you tell those people who are maybe dreaming about doing something like this and just haven't been able to get started? I would say you should definitely do it.
2: Everybody gets rejected. I mean, one of the most powerful lessons I learned was this class I took at the New School with Sue Shapiro, who's an author, but she is like this sort of cult favorite teacher in New York. And she talked about the process of pitching magazines articles and how you have to have a whole spreadsheet and you just line up 20 names and contact info, have it ready to go before you send your first one and just send it out. And then, no, it's a no. Okay, great. Next one. And you don't put any emotion in it. It's just a process. It's easier said than done, but because you get rejected for your writing or for an idea or whatever... That doesn't mean you're not good at what you do. People are looking for very specific things for their publications or even our publishing house or whatever. It doesn't mean your book is terrible. I, I, to get my memoir sold, we, we sent it to almost 50 different publishers, and I'm thrilled to have ended up with little A, and my memoir is great, and I'm really happy about how it turned out and whatever. I have to send you the new version, by the way, because I cut, like, I rewrote a ton of it. But anyway, if I had stopped after the first couple of rejections— You know, who knows? But I ended up at the right place. And so many authors told me that as I interviewed them. So many stories have I sent it to a bazillion places, but finally one liked it. You know, just because ten people in a room don't want to date you doesn't mean you're not dateable, right? You just haven't found the right person yet. So it's the same thing. I love it. Or maybe or maybe you're not dateable. I don't know. Maybe you're (laughs) terrible. (laughs)
1: <laughs> you're probably not. You're probably very dateable and just looking for the right opportunity to meet the right person. Yes, I would love you to share any... You get You get a lot of advice. I know you always ask authors at the end of your podcast for advice for up-and-coming writers. So you're like this encyclopedia, I think, of, of writing advice. But one of the things that uh, we hope to encourage people to do with this is to think about what they really want to be doing. So what advice would you have for people of any age? So maybe they're just finishing college or a about to enter their 60s, who want to move into the book world in all of its many facets?
2: I would say do it. Why not? If you want to move into the book world, I mean, Be prepared for, depends on what you're getting. Are you trying to make a giant career? I mean, this might not be the field. (laughs) Like, It's not a sure thing, you know? But if you want to be a part of it, there's so many ways. I mean, join our hashtag 22 and 22 campaign and start visiting 22 bookstores in 2022. And then by doing that, you're part of our Facebook group. And now we have all these people who have connected over books and who are like chit-chatting on Facebook. It's so awesome. Start going to events when events open up. Watch virtual events. Join Facebook groups. Go to virtual book clubs. Like I have a virtual book club and I love the people I've met through there. They've like, it's been amazing. That's how we bought Megan's book is because she was in my book club. So I would just say join, join lots of things. Wherever there's a community centered around books, take classes. I took lots of writing classes just for fun. (laughs) I took this personal essay class at UCLA when I was living out there with that ex-boyfriend of mine. And so now when I'm with Kyle and we drive by UCLA, he's always like, oh, there's your alma mater. And I'm like, this (laughs) is not my alma mater. I went for six weeks. So I would say just... And get, go start following authors on Instagram and DMing people and following bookstagrammers. And there's this, it's very accessible right now in a way that it wasn't before. So yeah, follow. Social. Totally.
1: All of it. I love it. And I think it's a really generous world of people. I can't think of anybody in the writing world who I have reached out to and who, even if they haven't had time to talk or whatever, who hasn't been really just thoughtful and helpful. And it's this like beautiful world of people. I'm sure I'll meet some backstabbers down the line, but haven't found any yet. So (laughs) um, Simi, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Last question is where can people learn more about your work? Where's the best place for them to go to see your many, many multitude of things? And when is your book coming out?
2: My book is coming out July 1st. It's called Bookends, A Memoir of Love, Loss, and Literature. And I also have a children's book called Princess Charming coming out April 19th. You can find everything you'll need to find on zibbyowens.com, and that'll take you in all the different directions. And also on Instagram at zibbyowens.
1: Amazing. Well, have a wonderful rest of the day. And I survived the podcast with the podcaster. So you did amazing. (laughs) You're an amazing (laughs)
2: podcaster. You're awesome. I
1: love it. You did a great job. Thanks, Zibi. Thank you so much for listening to Quit Your Day Job. We are a ZCast production and want to send huge thanks to the whole Zibby Books team for their support. Find me on Instagram at Alicia F. Miranda. I would love to hear what you thought about the episode, future jobs you want me to profile, or the burning questions you think I should ask my upcoming guests. And if you decide to quit your day job, let me know.